Hello, and welcome to this week's edition of The Five Things, where we deep dive into five topics from social media and share our takeaways for the week. I'm Amanda Davis, filling in for Joey Scarillo, and this week I'm welcoming Tommy Boyce. Hey, Tommy. Hi, Amanda. How's it going? I'm great. Happy summer. How are you? I'm doing lovely. I am looping around the city. I'm trying to get Maggie Rogers tickets. Shout out to my friends in line currently. We're living. I hope everyone appreciates all of the great music recommendations that you provide on this podcast, free of charge. It's why I was hired. I also love to welcome Kyla Sloan to the podcast. Welcome, Kyla. Hello. I'm so happy to be here. It's been a while, but I always love jumping in and chatting with you guys. Amazing. All right. We have a lot to cover, a lot of different app updates. So we're going to jump in. We're going to talk a little bit about Instagram, TikTok, Twitter, a little bit across the board. We're going to start with Tom. Do you want to take it away on what Adam Masseri has detailed for Instagram's shift? I would love to. I would also not want to be inside Instagram's headquarters right about now. So in the wake of a whole new wave of criticism about Instagram's move towards video and away from its photo sharing roots, as well as its algorithm placing more and more reels and suggested content into users' feeds, as opposed to photos of friends, the ability to remix photos as reels, which no one asked for, and a very pointed story by Kylie Jenner herself, Instagram's second biggest account, in which she shared a story asking for Instagram to stop trying to be like TikTok and let people see photos of their friends being cute. Instagram chief Adam Masseri released a video statement saying that the app is going to keep focusing on video despite this blowback. Masseri took to Twitter, which I always find funny that he goes to Twitter to share these things instead of the app that he's actually a chair of, and that he believes Instagram will become more and more video-driven over time. He said that the app will continue to support photos, but that the move away from them is driven by user behavior. Sharing and viewing of videos is growing, and quote, we're going to have to lean into that shift. To Masseri's credit, there is a shift in user behavior and sharing and views of videos are growing, but I worry Instagram is updating and reformatting itself into obsolescence at this point. The growth they've seen in videos is because they've basically been pushing them onto us so aggressively and changed the way that the app is used. It's a much different user behavior case than it was previously. And people are not happy with these changes, both in person and on my timeline. All I see is people being upset about what Instagram has become. They want, you know, a chronological feed based on photo sharing. They want the kind of traditional way of using Instagram back in the app. I know why Meta is trying to compete with TikTok and trying to get younger users onto the app, but I think there's an issue here that they could be diluting Instagram's value and forcing people off of it. It's not unheard of for apps to wither away. Look what happened to MySpace. People back then thought their platform would be around forever, but it's also hard for people in the industry because we're making plans using the app, not knowing what the future will be or what features will be available in, say, a year from now. So I think at this point, all we can do is wait and see what happens, but I would not be surprised to see a new photo sharing app start to make waves and fill this hole that Instagram is starting to create. That's really interesting. And of course, Adam Masseri is speaking from the consumer standpoint. But Kyla, having worked so closely with influencers, with creator content, do you see this shift into video content? Or what do creators think of this change? Obviously, we know what Kylie thinks. You know, honestly, and it's so funny you mentioned the Kylie Jenner post because I saw that. It isn't the smartest move. I think that there is still love for visual like photos versus everything leaning heavily into videos. I think it also creates more pressure on influencers and brands even, right? If you think about it as content creators, you now have to reprioritize and create 
majority video content. That's not an easy task to do. Oftentimes brings a more heavily produced point of view, depending on what it is you're wanting to create. It can get a little expensive depending on what type of content you're creating, but it can get a little pressure inducing. And I'm just a little concerned that prioritization on video content for Instagram specifically, at least, I don't think that it gives them the reach that they might think it will. You know what I mean? Like I feel like they had a leg up in a sense on prioritizing photos or that type of visual content. And now essentially that they're wanting to align more so with like the TikTok type of consumer, because we know that's where it comes from. It just, it feels a little boring. I'm not going to lie. And I think creators also in the beginning were just a little panicky because <laughs> they're like, I don't dance. I'm not into comedy. Like I don't, I'm not, I'm not humorous. And we oftentimes know that like, that's the better type of, or like DIY content is the better type of like video content. So I think everyone's just trying to figure out like what their next move is. It's a really good point. I think brands and creators both trying to keep up with these updates and what's prioritized on these platforms is, is a tough call in itself. So we will keep an eye on it and see what happens on Instagram. Moving on to our next thing, we're going to talk a bit also about formats. Kyla, let us know what Meta's doing to update their feed. Definitely. So in the world of more updates, because that's just the trend right now, Meta has actually launched a new trend on Facebook that directly affects the feed format. So essentially, Facebook's main UI will now split into a home feed and your normal feeds tab. So the home feed will primarily focus on recommended content to keep you entertained, but not necessarily people that you love and know and want to follow. These are people that they feel like they can in integrate within maybe your interest or um, what you would be entertained by. But again, not necessarily people that you have made the conscious choice to follow. And then your feed tab will actually be those people that you follow or like groups, friends and favorites and those types of things. So again, whose content you know you signed up for. So essentially the move shifts for more of like a TikTok style experience where there's a feed for things that could be for you or related to you. And then if you want to see what your friends are doing, you could easily switch tabs at the bottom of the screen. But me personally, I think the biggest issue here is that if you're comparing the two apps, content will largely differ. TikTok's For You page works because the content is like genuinely entertaining to that audience and it is aligned to match your interest. Whereas I feel like my biggest hesitation for Facebook specifically is like content will not create the same experience. Like the reason why people activate on Facebook isn't the same reason why people are using TikTok. I feel like a lot of people get on Facebook and kind of use it like to catch up with friends and family or even like a diary. And so I don't know that the conversion will 100% be there. I think that there will be some tweaks that need to be made for content on the home feed to feel interesting. And I also feel like brands and marketers specifically will need to be more intentional about the content they create and their why behind it, which we know is really hard to do as a brand. I think as like a human person, it's easy, but as a brand, they just will have to think more about what content they're putting out because if they want it to land on someone's like home feed, it has to somewhat relate to them. So users will also have to switch to another feed to see updates, which will be problematic for just engagement and reach. And they'll see those numbers really decline. So I'm interested to see how it works and, and how long it sticks, but it's a very different change for Facebook for sure. Yeah, it's startling how similar this is, not only to TikTok, but also how Instagram started splitting their feeds between a chronological feed and an algorithm-driven feed for users to look at. Tommy, I'm curious what you think, how this will impact creator content on the Facebook platform specifically. It's been a while since we've heard the term Facebook creator. Do you think you'll see more original content there? I do think so because it's so heavily pushed by the algorithm. It makes sense in this case if you're a creator, especially one already operating on Instagram, to then make the move over to another supported platform and put your stuff out there for the Facebook audiences. I am interested in the kind of content that is based on Facebook. It's obviously very different than Instagram. It's an older audience. It's more family focused. It's usually people 
who are looking for updates and connections more than photo dumps on Instagram. So tailoring your content to Facebook will have to be a specific challenge, but I do think we'll see a lot more content pop up in the future on Facebook. Intriguing. Speaking of different content types on different platforms, Tommy, let us know what what the new growing source of information on TikTok is. Yeah, so according to a survey from the UK, TikTok is actually the fastest growing news source among adults in the UK, with currently 7% of adults using the app as a news source compared to 1% in 2020. It's also been reported that 40% of Gen Z use apps like either TikTok or Instagram for searching to find things like where to eat and where to shop instead of Google and Apple Maps. They use TikTok as a primary source. Among 12 to 15 year olds, which I guess are Gen Alpha cusp, Gen Z cusp, who's to say, the skew towards getting news from social media is even higher. The top three digital sources for this group are Instagram at 29% and then YouTube and TikTok at both 28%. So this is really interesting and a little concerning news, in my opinion. We haven't had yet to categorize TikTok as a search engine in the way that we have with platforms like Reddit or YouTube, which in my opinion are designed to be more easily accessible and informative when looking for information. And I say it's concerning because we've seen how misinformation can affect TikTok specifically. Famously, we saw how misinformation regarding the Ukraine invasion, as well as about Amber Heard, took the platform by storm. And part of my concern is that I don't know that Gen Z and the kids who are coming after have the media literacy at the moment to determine what is true and what is not on the internet. But who knows, maybe I'm wrong and the kids are all right. I'd love to see that be the outcome. In the meantime, I think this trend will certainly impact the way that we navigate TikTok. I think it's a reminder for us to do little things, like make sure you have the right keywords and call to actions in your post for it to be highlighted. But also, it's a reminder of how you should shape your content, knowing that people are literally searching for it in the search engine. If you're in the makeup industry or the food industry or even something related to travel, people are looking for what to eat, what to wear, and where to go on the app. So you really have a chance to stand out in a way that we previously did not think for the platform. So I think we're going to see a lot of content in the future reflect these changes in searching. That's really interesting. And again, very similar to what we saw happen on platforms like Facebook and Instagram over the last five years or so. I'm curious, a lot of this content, this news content seems to be coming from independent creators. Are you seeing a space for publications, for newspapers, news websites to enter the space and, and create TikTok native content? Yeah, you know, I think so. I think that the great thing about TikTok is that it feels really native and organic. And I don't think that there's a lot of effort that needs to go into it. And what better way than those who are like the fact checkers, right, who have the truth and, and the correct information, what better way than they be the ones to kind of publish this information outside of, you know, digital publications or newspapers or what have you? Because I think there can be a little bit of a hesitancy around collecting news from non-news sources. And I think for a long time, Twitter was like our millennial newspaper for those who can relate to being a millennial. I think it was like, get up in, get up in the morning, check Twitter, figure out what's going on in the world. And I think it's fair, but it is a nice moment for uh, news outlets to really capitalize on and really get into the social game and, and even grow, you know, grow their following and, and convert those followers into like members. If people are still doing memberships, I don't know, I'm gonna be honest. I don't collect the newspaper and I also don't <laughs> subscribe to any specific news sources and outlets. But I think it could be a real cool opportunity, Amanda. And I feel like it's a good call out because I wasn't thinking about that when Tommy was talking about it. That's a great point of view. And I think, yeah, a big opportunity as that likely grows 
globally as well. All right, let's switch platforms. Enough about TikTok. Let's talk about Twitter for a second. Kyla, what is the rise of health and wellness on the platform looking like over there on Twitter? You know, I'm really excited about this topic because I am such a health and wellness type of junkie and prioritizing health and wellness. Twitter recently did a study. They partnered with Adweek to look at key trends in health and well-being and how the conversation was evolving via tweet. So on Twitter specifically. And they realized that there was an increasing or significantly increasing conversation around that topic. And so some of their key findings revolved around the fact that wellness conversations have seen an 84% increase in impressions year over year. Twitter users are increasingly looking to inform and encourage one another on health-related topics. And one of the most interesting, men are now equally engaged with health topics across the timeline. I feel like that really does speak volumes. More specifically, just like being a consumer and using Twitter, I feel like I can attest to this, right? Like I feel like scrolling down my feed, I'm seeing a lot of topics about like mental health and quality of life and things of those topics. And this just proves that it's actually true across the board. And I think it's also interesting because it is showing a huge shift in how our society like at large is thinking about quality of life. We've experienced and are still experiencing an entire like global pandemic amongst many other major shifts that are causing us to prioritize mental, emotional, and physical well-being. So I'm not surprised in these insights and findings. If anything, it just signals that people are needing positivity to cling to during this time. But on the contrary, I feel like it's also important for our brands to take this insight really seriously because if we haven't already noticed, consumers will start allowing these insights and most importantly, their feelings to drive decision-making when they're deciding who they want to support. So as a brand, if you aren't in some way serving the state of mind or lifestyle through your products, your marketing, et cetera, I anticipate that it is very likely that we'll see some brands being deprioritized if we haven't seen that already. That's really fascinating. And Tommy, I'm curious if you've seen this growth of conversation and similar to what we were just discussing around news on TikTok, do you find these health and wellness conversations driven by consumers and creators or do you see a white space that brands could jump into? I definitely see it driven more by consumers given the effects of COVID-19 on our psyches. There's been, thankfully, more of a need to have these conversations and people are stepping up and I've seen consumers and creators both really honestly address their mental state and how well or not well they're doing in ways to cope with that. But I think there is a way that brands can get on by working with consumers and creators who are already in this space tapping into it. I think of the really great activations that apps like Calm have had and these sort of mental health facing platforms and websites or apps have been making on the space. And so I really do think there is a way for brands to kind of get into this conversation in a way that feels both respectful of the actual real life human lived experience of struggling right now, trying to be human during these difficult times, and also making something moving and compelling out of it. We'll definitely watch that space and see how that conversation grows. All right, for our last thing, Kyla's going to tell us the impact that Gen Z is having on what's formerly known as social media. It's a really ambiguous term now, but let us know what that behavior is looking like. It's so funny you say that, Amanda, because I noticed when researching this topic specifically, a lot of platforms have kind of changed the way that they're recognized and no one wants to be a social media outlet anymore because Gen Z is completely pushing back on that. They're like, no, we don't do social. We do fun things. We do entertaining things. But essentially, Pew Research Center has found that Gen Z is the only generation to see recent declines in social media use. So like over the last 15 to 20 years, since social media has probably been around or in the works, Gen Z has officially made like the first decline in what platforms they're using. As of last fall, all except for TikTok, we're seeing a decline. So 
Gen Z is totally kicking all other apps to the curb. And they're like, hey, we're going to prioritize TikTok. And essentially right now their network is really into apps that feel a little bit more relatable where they can, you know, have more intimate conversations and everything isn't so widespread and publicly known. That's why you're seeing a lot of apps adopt the stories type of format where, you know, it's very close knit and you're activating on social to a smaller group of people. And they also found that the pandemic forced Gen Z users, many of whom were living at home, to create stronger communities online. So unlike your older social networking platforms like MySpace, Friendster, and Facebook, these communities don't start with friends. They're created by people, often strangers. So today, those real-world connections have moved to private messaging. So newer apps like Discord, Geneva, and Telegram have become where creators feel they can best develop personalized connections with their fans. So that is what the study found. I think it makes total sense. Human interaction thrives off of relatability. Like overall, you just you want to be able to relate to people that you're talking to and who you're becoming friends with. So I think that TikTok is winning out of most apps like the study has said because it feels organic and relatable. People are tired of the super produced and polished agenda that most social giants have. Like I said before, Gen Z isn't afraid to push back on that. And I think again, if we open the broader picture for like brands and how and what this means for them, I think it means just digging a bit deeper into what your content strategy looks like, becoming a bit more relatable to your consumers, your every day person or, or your target audience. And me personally, since I am sitting in that like influencer hybrid role, I'll always be biased with influencers. I predict that we'll see a huge increase in influencer marketing from brands because what better way to relate to the consumer than to leverage real people? Wow, that's all very interesting. And Tommy, as our resident opinion haver on Gen Z, does this feel accurate to how you and your friends are using also the term social media and what that includes? I know a lot of the apps that Kyla listed actually could be considered messaging apps or other kinds of functionality that might be different from our traditional Twitter, Facebook, Instagram. It does feel totally right. I would say, I'm only going to speak from my own experience in this case, but I see my friends and myself using these more niche apps like Be Real, love a Be Real, platforms like Meta or Instagram that are trying to become everything. The specialization is good for apps. It isn't harmful like what we're seeing. So I definitely that holds up. Wow. I feel like every time we have this podcast and every time that we get these new studies, we are faced very clearly with the idea of social media is changing every single week. Got to keep on top of it. All right. Thank you guys as always for keeping us up to speed and walking through our five things. For our listeners, if you don't already, be sure to follow us on Apple and Spotify. And if you have any questions, comments, suggestions for a thing that we should cover, you can always email us podcasts at gray.com. Until next week, be social. The five things are written and researched by the Social and Connections team at Gray New York. Produced by Joey Scarillo and Danielle Hunt. Mixed at Gramercy Park Studios by Guy Rosemarin and Amanda Fuentes with post-production support from Ned Martin. Additional support by John Jenkinson, Christina Hyde, and Liz McGovern. Gray is a global creative agency whose mission is putting famously effective ideas into the world. Check out more at gray.com.